give him G-Rap I'm cool, on the road to the riches to get my G back I'll be that Killer bees, mind your bees Wax past 10 o'clock and we still on the way you see that Ask Big Snoop, it don't take a crip to see that Be real, what you read Welcome about Welcome to Pewter Report that. readers, readers, no and listeners To a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast Energized by Celsius It is a Wednesday edition And happy holidays to those who celebrate today uh, joined with me is the man that puts the yard in StreamYard, the uh, vehicle that we do our podcast on. It is John, middle name redacted, Ledyard, and also JC, middle name I don't know, Alan, another excellent, excellent addition to the Pewter Report squad since he's been on here for a couple months now. I don't even know how long, but it, it's been a while now where you're very much acclimated. And gentlemen, we are talking tight ends today for the Bucks in this year's 2022 NFL Draft. But first off, how are we doing? I'm doing well. I, I, why is my middle name redacted? I, I don't know. Just I is thought that... it was funny with the conversations we had today. <laughs> <laughs> my middle name, for people who don't know, is Xavier. And I was having the staff try to guess it today, and they were struggling until Kay Huddy pulled it out. Kay Huddy knew. I thought it was Clancy. I was wrong. Yeah, not definitely not Clancy. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited about this pod, guys. I mean, tight end group. I mean, it's honestly there's a ton of talent in this class, but it's not like high end talent in my opinion. But I do think there's a lot of talent in the class overall, and so we've got a lot of ground to cover just in terms of talking about this class. But I know you guys have seen the class, Matt. You're doing the tight ends right up right now. The draft preview and Bucks best bets uh, right up that will be going up tomorrow on that's tomorrow? right yeah tomorrow on yeah. on pewterreport.com so matt's grinding on that trying to get write-ups for all these tight ends done scott is figuring out the bucks best bet uh with all the rest of the staff helping with that um and so we've got we've we're zeroed in on that we've got tight ends in there Bucks best bets will be up if you didn't see today wide receivers went up k Huddy did a great job with like 26 wide out write-ups uh i don't even know how late she was up doing that but um she got it done and we got the bucks best bets in there so go check those out now quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers have gone up each of the last three days. Tight ends will be up tomorrow. We also decided it won't be out yet. It comes out sometime this weekend, I think. But uh, the final seven-round Pewter Report mock draft is dropping, and we kind of finalized who our picks are going to be for at least the first couple of rounds. And so we're not going to reveal those on the show today, but we are going to talk about this tight end position, which we feel strongly, right, JC, that they are going to draft a tight end probably in the first three rounds. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's so much uncertainty to this position right now. I mean, let's face it. Gronk is probably coming back. I don't see a scenario which he doesn't. And not just because, you know, Brady's back, but I think the prospect of him and Brady going into the Hall of Fame together is just too, like, incredible to pass up for those guys. They've been, like, best friends over over the course of their career. And then being announced and being inducted as the greatest quarterback and greatest tight end of all time to go into camping together. I think that's just another layer of why he's going to come back, but he's probably only coming back for one year. And we mm. saw Cam Brate struggle, and he, he's not the guy who caught 26 touchdowns in three years for the for the Bucs. He's, he's, he's fallen off a little bit, and I don't know about you guys, but uh, Cody McElroy is not someone I want to hang my hat on in any game. So they definitely need some help there, whether that's a number, a solid number two, solid number three, and just a guy who they can groom. And let's face it, we've heard the tight ends when Tanner Hudson was here. We've heard Cam Braid and Cody McElroy talk about how great it's been to watch Gronk and learn from his ability. And just having a guy, young rookie guy in here to learn from him as well as his coaching staff 
before he steps into a starting role. There's just there's there's no there's nothing wrong with that, and it's, it's just an absolute positive and a plus. My middle name is Cole, by the way, too, Matt. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you covered a lot there, so that's the whole show. Thanks everyone for watching. Um, <laughs> Sorry, um, I, I no, no, you're good. I think the Bucks are in a really unique situation this year, where. Sure, I think we believe Gronk is coming back. I think he's coming mm -hmm. back. I'm actually not as confident as I as I once was, though. And I just think it's because he has so many other ventures that he can get into. Like, he's hosting the draft party in Vegas when that's yeah. going on. At the end of the day, if I'm betting on it, I think Gronk's coming back. But with that said, anyway, the Bucs are in a pretty cool situation where they're going to draft a tight end. And, John, as you mentioned in your Bucks briefing today, you know, tight end is up there as the number one position on offense that is a need for the Bucks going in this year. So they're picking mm -hmm. a guy that's going to hopefully make an impact this year, most likely as at least competing for the number two tight end position with, with Cam Brate. And I'm sure Cam will still get his moments kind of like he did when, uh, when OJ mm -hmm. Howard was healthy too. They kind of all saw the field a little bit, but anyway, you're drafting a guy for that. And then you're also drafting your future tight end one right. so it's a pretty cool spot to be in it, it could be a starter this year it could be the starter a year from now if Gronk retires then if he comes back this year and then retires next year either way it'll be an impactful player this year Cam Brate in a, in a tight end three role is what this organization desires for this season no question about that they would want to see him in that tight end three role you know obviously if a rookie doesn't prove himself right away nice to have him as a tight end two but if he could be the tight end three, like it was the year they won the Super Bowl, I think that, that well, I guess he was until OJ Howard got hurt. Um, then I think they would feel much better about the direction uh, of that position group. And I know that it's not a position that maybe matters a ton to Bruce Arians offense, but I think that that's a change some with Gronkowski B it matters a lot to Brady. And I think it's going to matter a lot to Leftwich as a result of that. Uh, and I think it matters to Jason light. I think that this is a, position that he's drafted before in the first round and obviously it didn't totally work out with oj howard to the degree that they wanted it to but i think if he feels like there's a player there that can be a plus starter in a league where there are really only six or seven difference making tight ends and then there's just you know plus starters good good starters basically after that if he feels like he can be at least one of those guys and then keep him around um you know obviously long term that would be really ideal type of move for them to be able to make now does it mean need to happen in the first round Probably not. Does it need to happen, could it happen in the second round? It could happen in any of these rounds, but does it need to? And that's where we get into the value question with this group of tight ends. Matt, you've looked at some of these guys. I know you're probably still looking as you complete those write-ups, but is there a guy that's jumped out at you and been like, wow, I would take that guy in the first round. Like, I think he's that good of a skill set. Or do you feel like the, the group is mainly middle rounds, day two type of players? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say there's necessarily anyone that's like is a must in the first round, because I think tight ends in general, as important as a position they are, I'm certainly not comparing them to the way it slipped for running backs, where like you'd be crazy to draft a running back in, in the first round in, in today's NFL. But I mean, you even look at a player like Gronk. Gronk was a second round pick, if I'm not mistaken. So mm -hmm. like you can you can find a very talented tight end and not have to, I don't want to say waste, but not have to use your your first uh, round tight end on. There's a guy that I've liked more and more just based on like what I saw from him at the senior bowl. Actually, mm -hmm. I actually, I don't really think he's a fit for the bucks per se, but I just like his game overall. And um, that's Charlie Kohler. I just think 
athletically he's like so so but i think just going out there and making difficult catches in traffic um in tight windows i thought he i thought he battled really well with one-on-ones at the senior bowl and Mm. i think um you know he's a he's an aggressive guy again not like the most athletically gifted but i think he's a talented player but because he's not really much of a blocker i don't Mm -hmm. see him as a fit for the bucks but you know he's a guy that has really been interested in to me yeah, he's he didn't do anything at the at the combine, but at the senior bowl, or yeah. sorry, at the pro day, he did stuff. He ran a four six two at two hundred forty eight pounds, so good speed for a tight end, honestly. And then jumped thirty five and a half inches in the vert uh, at a four three shuttle, a seven zero three cone is terrific. Thir- um, so presses, yeah, thir- thirteen bench press is exactly right. He's clearly not strong enough, and he's not much of a blocker like Matt said. So it's probably that's not why- a box fit. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, that's, yeah. that's always something you can coach up it though, as well. You know, I you think- could. He's he got could. the size and, and, and the ability the Bucks look for. But, right, coming out the gate, if you need a blocker, yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily know. I wouldn't necessarily take him off their board, but I wouldn't put him at the top of their board either. I agree. I agree. And I think that's where you get into important distinction with this class that we kind of need to set as a precedent before we get into talking about each of these guys. You know, for example, I t- published my tight end rankings last week. Yep. And because I don't like to do any dumb hedging or something like that, I didn't make two lists. But – Greg Dolcich was my number one tight end in the class, the UCLA tight end, who I like a good bit, but he is not the blocker that some of these other teams, these other players would be. So if, I would actually go so far as to say Dolcich shouldn't even be on the box board. I would bet he's not even a player that they would yeah, consider. John, he, John, he doesn't was, play in line that much, and I don't know that he'd even profile to carry that much weight. I talked to some people who know him. You saying they was like, yeah, I don't think he can even yeah, he'll even get to you know carry two fifty five in the NFL, which I just don't see him being a, a guy that fits into what the box and what most schemes. To be clear, most schemes will ask other tight ends in the NFL. He is an it's a more niche fit, and hopefully he can find that. But if he can't, then it's going to have problems in the NFL. John, I absolutely agree with you. That's what I was thinking as I was watching him. I'm like, damn, like he's a fun player. I could see why mm. you would have him ranked number one because he's like clearly the best receiving tight end yeah uh you know of this tight end draft class uh, i i think again he's athletic uh pr- very solid uh route runner but yeah very i was route, thinking yeah. like all right he's not gonna do anything for the bucks that's not the player that the bucks are looking for another thing too when i was watching him this doesn't really have much to do with anything but he's solid at, at making defenders miss but he always does this move where like he's running downfield and he like stops quickly kind of hits him with the hezzy shout out cj mccollum he says that a lot. Um, where he'll, like, too stop. soon, man. Too soon. Yeah. Dude, oh, just last right. night. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about the Suns. Man. Not, not, out. not everyone's team can win right. two games in one day. I'm sorry about that. They'll still bounce back. <laughs> Booker will be all right. Oh, um, but anyway, he, yeah, he always like stops, lets the defender like keep going, and then, you know, just around that. Just, I don't know. I noticed that a lot. Mm-hmm. Fun little move. So. Yeah, this is a, cool. another guy, and I've seen it. Someone just commented about it, and someone commented earlier. James Mitchell from Virginia Tech. He's another one of these more of a move type tight end that I don't, I don't necessarily know if if he'd be high on the Bucks board. I mean, he's a willing blocker, tenacious blocker, but he's not a good blocker per se. And I see him more mm-hmm. of as a as more of a receiving guy um, than than an actual inline wide tight end. I don't know what you guys saw when you watched him, but yeah. I, I, I mean, there's really- some guys. There's a handful of guys that I just don't even think will be on the Bucks board at tight end. Isaiah Likely's one. I don't know whose board he'll be on. Four eight two forty for a move tight end. Unlikely to get a lot of points. <laughs> that one's tough. Um, James Mitchell, like you mentioned, um, a Conquo from uh, Maryland. 
uh, Calcaterra from Southern Methodist, who was at Oklahoma early in his career. Like those guys are all not really in line options. You mentioned Kohler maybe is a fringe. Like you could see him develop and get there maybe. Yeah. But the, that will trim the Bucks board down along with Dulcich. That'll trim the Bucks board down to where I feel like the players that they'll consider for a tight end, especially because I believe that they'll draft one in the first three rounds, is Trey McBride from Colorado State. Jelani Woods from Virginia, Jerry Rucker from Ohio State, Kay Lawton from Washington, and then perhaps on day three, if they haven't addressed it, Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin and Daniel Bellinger from San Diego State could be options. But other than that, it's hard to find a lot of – maybe Austin Allen late in the draft in Nebraska. Not a great blocker either. He's – abnormally large for a tight end six eight i think he is like Almost. just Not looks kind of goofy on t- but i mean he does make <laughs> some great catches on tape but i don't know, well I don't know if any of these guys are fit did well the positional drills at the combine i mean don't take too yeah. much from that but you showed you know uh he, he did a lot better than some of the other guys out there so yeah Absolutely, he did. I mean, he and honestly is too. I mean, last name, yeah. Great. Uh, there's also a Chase Allen that is a blocking tight end uh, from block. Iowa State. He was Charlie Kohler's running mate. He did the blocking, so Kohler could thrive in other ways. So he could be an option. But yeah, right now, guys, this is a probably a small pool of players that we're looking at uh, for this tight end group, and we're going to get into each of their evaluations here in a second. But first, we got to shout out our title sponsor of today's show and the title sponsor of of the Pewter Report podcast in general celsius energy drink some awesome stuff from our friends at celsius what do you got there i got sparkling grapefruit which i'm sparkling. actually about to crack open oh wow. i built first round draft pick yesterday and i oh I, yeah I, nice for the tropical vibes so oh I, shout I was, out I, I forgot his name but shout out to uh who tweeted us today about the arctic yeah um, the arctic vibe yeah absolutely yeah. that's gonna be there's a bunch of new flavors out for people who don't know they're not on this screen we got to get a slide from them with the new flavors but uh, these are still outstanding flavors and so are the new ones. So go check them out and try them as well. But strawberry guava, wild berry, Fuji apple pear, orange, watermelon, tropical vibe. There's so many good flavors um, out there for Celsius. But these are energy drinks with no sugar, accelerates metabolism, burns body fat, gives you the boost you need without the crash you get from other energy drinks. Truly terrific stuff from our friends at Celsius. So make sure you check those out. You can do that. By going to Celsius.com, you can use the uh, click on the banner ads at Peter Report as well, though, and you can find out where they sell Celsius near you, or you can go to Amazon, do the subscribe and save option, get Celsius coming to your house uh, with the regularity, and make sure that you're always stocked up on those tasty beverages because they they come in clutch. I'm telling you, the, right now on very little sleep here in the Ledger household, so. Celsius has been uh, sustaining. It's a great draft process drink. <laughs> they they help with writing uh, draft previews. <laughs> That's why I'm drinking one so late because I'm going to be up late. Can we just address yes. real quick before we get into these tight end? Because I people need to know that this is not an option for the box. <laughs> I've seen it floated out Correct. there all over the place. It's not, you know, if he was, you know, uh, no, not even. He's going to want $20 million a year plus. You can't put six, almost $60 million, over $60 million into your wide receiver room. I just don't think it's a, a plausibility at all. If they're going to get a wide receiver, it's going to be a late-round draft pick, maybe a veteran who's cut or, or something like that. Debo is out of the question. Trade him to the AFC, to the Jets. There you go, Matt. Yeah, trade him to the Jets. That'd be freaking sick. <laughs> that'd be, <laughs> that'd be amazing awesome. for the Jets. That, uh, yeah, that'd be yeah, that'd be unbelievable. I doubt oh, it's by the happen, way, because nothing goes to Jets away. Yeah. But. 
That reminds me, I know the Jets traffic. It's going to be in the first round, uh, Matt. And I have to tell you after the show, I'm not going. I'm, I'm going to withhold I'm, information from you. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> By the way, uh, it was Perry Monaco that tweeted us um, about the okay. South, Celsius uh, nice. Arctic. Shout out Perry. Arctic Thanks, Perry. Yeah, and appreciate Perry. somebody, Calvin. I believe Calvin Andrews. It was. Uh, jumped in here in, earlier and said, uh, sup guys, I have been listening for a while, but never make it to the live stream. So welcome, Calvin. Glad to have you on the live streams. What are your guys' thoughts on the Bucks taking D-line, safety, cornerback, then tight end in the third round? Who do you think will be there still? This is a great question. Let me get to this question in a second. Just wanted to real quick to offer of what you said, JC, about Debo. Yes, there's no way with the Bucks. He wants a big contract. That's a big part of this. Uh, I think most people probably realize that. The only way it would happen, again, I can't even believe I'm saying this just because this is what <laughs> this is just to literally let people know how it only is possible. It's only possible if they traded a big contract that was currently on their roster. I'm just laying out logistics. I'm not saying how it happened. And the only way that would probably happen is if they traded one of their big wide receiver contracts and they're not trading Mike Evans. So if you want Debo Samuel, can you imagine if they like traded Chris Godwin after like just yeah, yeah, that exactly. contract? If you want Debo Samuel, then I hope you're okay with trading Chris Godwin because that's the only way that it happens. Um, so oh, Bucks fans, you can. Fight it out amongst yourselves. I'm not, I don't have the courage to ask it of either of you what you would do in that situation if that offer were on the table. Debo for the same contract Chris Godwin just got. What would you do <laughs> if you could trade to swap player for player? I wouldn't Should I ask it. I am. I'm going to ask it of you. I'm going to ask it. I wouldn't because if you look at his snaps, it, it, does loyalty it. mean anything to you people? Yeah. Does loyalty mean anything? Chris Godwin decided to stay. He wants to be in Tampa. My God, he took a he took a pay cut to do it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the pay cut. Both the Buck Wide receivers take pay cuts constantly. Oh my goodness. I just I I like Debo Samuel to be honest, more it's probably than, than Chris Godwin. But in this offense, it just would have to things would have to change. Godwin's role is too unique in the offense. Like Debo can't do the things that their Debo doesn't do the things Godwin does, and Debo's better at certain things than Godwin. So I think we wasted we just, too much time on this already. <laughs> too much time on Devo. We uh we did get a super chat. Super ch oh no, you muted. Did. Yeah. We lost your we lost your we lost oh. your mic, Matt. My, we did my, get a yeah. Okay. Right, I want to get back to Calvin's question, but go ahead and do the super chat. I was gonna say thank you, Leo, for the super chat. If you guys super chat us, we will make sure we answer it right away and get those up. Because should be frustrated, a team claim going all in has been insanely quiet especially compared to Bills, Dolphins, Rams, etc. I mean, again, I don't know if the Bucks have been insanely quiet. They got Tom Brady back, and that's the foundation. They just, again, they're in a situation where they got all of their guys back that they wanted to, to bring back. Right. You know, they they made sure Chris Godwin is yeah. here. They made sure Carlton Davis III is here. Leonard's they traded back, for so... Shaq Mason. They signed yeah. Logan Ryan. They signed Keanu Neely. Like, Russell Gates, you're a $10 million. I am confused by this. What is how is this insanely quiet? They haven't done anything this week. They don't have but any names like Marquee guys. The Rams, like what did the Rams do? The Rams lost Darius Williams. The Rams lost Vaughn Miller. The Rams lost Andrew Whitworth. They lost two other starters in the offensive. Like what? I don't know what that means. Like they the Rams are Bobby for Wagner. sure worse. Bobby Wagner's. They lost name. Robert Woods, and they Alan don't have Odell Bobby Beckham. Big name. Those are big names. Yeah. <laughs> People want big names. Yeah. They want to big see names that. that are over there. Allen Robinson is a downgrade from Robert Woods when Woods is healthy right now. Um, Woods uh, Robinson could bounce back, but Wagner is not Wagner fold. That is absurd. And they have interest in Gilmore, but they didn't get him. The Colts did. And so uh, Tyron Matthew, same, you know, so I don't know. I, I don't really see. I don't think the Rams have gotten better this offseason. Let's put it that way. 
Um, okay, Calvin, back to your question. What are your guys' thoughts on the Bucks taking D-line, safety, cornerback, uh, then tight end of the third? Uh, D, okay, D-line in the first round, I think he's saying, then safety or corner in the second round, then tight end in the third. Who do you think will be there still? If they take this path, I think it would be like a Devontae Wyatt or Logan Hall in the first. Uh, a Jaquan Brisker or Jalen Petrie, probably. Yeah, or, Petrie. Or Roger, Roger McCreary, right there. One of those guys. I don't really see either of those guys as Bucks fits, but y'all know that. You, you guys do. I I, have, I don't see with those guys in the Bucks. Maybe a Cam Taylor Britt. A little early, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could be early, too. I mean, it's probably early for McCreary, too, I, to be honest with you. Uh, and the 60? Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think you're, so. reading to, you're stuck on the early boards. I'm telling you, he's not going to slow corners with come zero on, I don't percentile arm length. You already know, don't play in the slot, never yeah. played. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, maybe one team will prove me wrong with him. I just can't see him going as high as some of the projections out there. Petrie probably will go in the second round, but um, and tight end in the third, though, in this situation would be like what best case scenario, Kate Otten still on the board. In the box size, anyway, I'm not a huge Kate Otten guy, but yeah, I could be. The Jason White does love drafting players from uh, from Washington, usually yeah. on the defensive I, line. So I don't know if he'd do that on the offensive side of the ball, but I think you're looking at Kate Otten, probably a guy like Jelani Woods might be there. If you're lucky, your guy Ruckert might be there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, those are those are the guys you're probably looking at at the end of the third. Maybe Charlie Kohler, if you like. I think it's too early for Bellinger. I think it's too early for Kohler too, um, but yeah, at that point, if Otten, Ruckert, and Woods aren't there, I, you're waiting until the fourth pick and fourth round pick, and then maybe you're looking at Ferguson and Bellinger there. And even then, I still think that might be a yeah. little bit high for both of those guys. I I just don't think they're going to wait that long, to be honest. I don't even think they're going to wait till the end of the third. I just don't. No. Could they trade back at some point, first or second round, and add another pick, and then address it with that pick before the late third? Maybe, yeah, that's a possibility. But I just think they 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 don't want to go into this season with they don't want to come out of the draft, let's put it that way, with Brait and maybe Gronk. I mean, you're yeah. right. I mean, <laughs> OJ Howard six million dollars last year to be that to be useless. Uh, and Bray made like four. <laughs> so I mean I mean and Gronk made seven. They made seven, eight, 17, 18 million dollar tight end room. They're not going to go into the season like that. And if you look at the free agent, there's nobody out there. There's not even a guy you can be like, oh, let's maybe bring him in. There's Kyle, what about Rudolph? Is he still out there? I think he didn't he retire. I thought he retired. I don't think he retired. You said that on another show, but I couldn't I'm find it. If he sure did, he retired. But let's I don't look. know. I'll look. Yeah, I even, think all the. Credits. I don't think that's. Uh, I'm not trying to diss him here, but that's not the worst move. It's kind of like you know, you can't fire me. I quit. Like no one's going to sign me. Fine, <laughs> I retire. It's not because the team didn't want me. I retired. No, he's a free agent. I don't think he retired. Yeah. I don't think he did either. Yeah, it doesn't say. But I think, I mean, I, I think you guys are all in agreement. Oh, I don't, that's, yeah. I'm not interested in signing a veteran tight end at this point because you know what you're going to get with that type mm -hmm. of player, where at least if you take a player in the draft, you never know. You develop them the right way. Um, like what Jelani Woods, I think, is, is a great example because he's kind of still – new to the tight end position he, he used to play quarterback and obviously he's got huge size at, at six seven so like there's something there that you can work with I mean, he's not the the most ideal route runner mm -hmm. but when you have a player of that size and obviously he's athletic enough like previously playing quarterback and 
while he's not a right. great route runner, I think he's actually pretty good. Like when he legit has the ball in his hands, there's sometimes like when I was watching his video, like sure. He'll have the wide open touchdown at the goal line, which yeah, that's not impressive. And there's other times like, wait, what? He got the ball. All right. Now he's like 30, 40 yards downfield. So like he would be a guy that I think would be very interesting for the bucks. Cause let's face it. The bucks, they normally do this at quarterback, but they like taking on players that could be a project and hopefully they can, you know, obviously mold into a player that they want. We're seeing it right now with Kyle Trask. Um, they did it with uh, Reed Sennett. They've done it. They want to do it with Josh Rosen when he was with the Bucks for, you know, a hot minute. I know I'm talking about quarterbacks here, but yeah. with that same thought process, they could do it with the developmental tight end like Woods. Hmm. Woods is fascinating to me. I really liked him. I ended up really enjoying his his tape, and I think he makes tons of tough catches. He and Kohler are the two that – and McBride too. They make just a ton of combat catches. Now you could argue somebody like Dulcich gets more separation than those guys do, so he doesn't need to make as many tough catches. But all those guys make contested catches, and Woods has the size to me and the strength where that's going to continue in the NFL. Like He is so big, and he's so yeah. long, and he's huge. He's just huge, and he really makes some great catches. And he's so craftier route runner than people give him credit. People act like he's this raw – ball clay and to some areas that he is but at the top of his route like he really he he gets it at least how to move he's never going to be a great change of direction guy but he understands how to move and get head this way and then boom like this way you know you're snapping off your route like he understands that kind of stuff yeah. he can implement that stuff pretty quickly into the nfl along with his ability to catch the football yeah there's a couple drops i live with drops i mean jared cook's been dropping the ball his whole life dudes <laughs> made quite a living in the nfl like, okay. was he 36 and still starting for teams and stuff so yeah I, I i'm a big fan of what i just can you i just be honest like do you see the bucks taking a tight end like woods like uh, he just he's not a great blocker know. right now even though he has experience with it i don't know no penalties all last year blocking in the run game i mean he's not much of a pass blocker but you know, well, one thing that works against him too, he's going to be 24 years old when, when as a rookie, and and you know that's a little bit older in the dog years for what the Bucks usually like to take. But I think so. I mean, they've talked to him multiple times. They didn't bring him in, but multiple zooms. Um, I don't think he's their first, second, or third option. But if those guys are off the board and they are waiting till the third, I I could see it, Matt. I don't know what your thoughts are because you're really diving deep into them right now. But I think Woods could be a fit. It's just not as a first option on their board. Agreed. Yeah, like I said, I think it'd be more of a developmental type of situation. Which again, if Gronk comes back, the Bucks can go and do that and make it you know a beneficial type of thing. And then if Gronk retires next year, most likely. Um, you know, you have he has a whole year under his belt. You can kind of reshuffle the deck from there, whether it's, you know, go get a free agent tight end next year. Maybe there's one tight end that they really like next season as well, too. I understand this year's tight end class is, you know, generally gives the, you know, two thumbs up, which, by the way, fans should be giving a thumbs up to this podcast as well, too. So, yeah, I, I like I'm all for like late second day, third day type of you know, pick for Woods, or the third round, fourth round, that, that type of thing. Cause um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential there. I mm-hmm. think again, the size thing, obviously it stands out. So when you see a player that big, it's like, all right, he's huge. We can, we can do something here. I don't know exactly yeah. what, but we can work. He's kind of like, so if, if, if McBride is the Y, t- the number one Y tight end in this class, like a true traditional inline blocking tight end, who absolutely has the athleticism to do other stuff if you want him to. I think he's still probably one of the more athletic tight ends. Not an amazing athlete, but in this class, 
if he is that traditional type of tight end for a lot of these teams, and Dulcich is the tight end like a team like Arizona or you know Miami and some of the stuff they run, like those types of teams would value somebody like him a lot, uh, somebody who can be a real contributor in the passing game, difference maker for them there. If those kind of teams are going to have those guys there, then it Woods, is he somewhere in like the middle? I mean, he will split out wide as an X, and they'll isolate him on that side of the field. He right. will play in the slot at times. From a two-point stand, or just some standing up, you know, releasing, he'll play in line. Um, like so, he can move around, and I don't know why those things couldn't continue in the NFL. If you wanted him to, he is experienced as a blocker. I wouldn't say he's great as a blocker, but he's also huge and strong, so he can learn things as a blocker. He doesn't get bullied. He just could be way better with the technique. There's definitely ways in which he needs to keep growing as a player, but you got to remember he was at Oklahoma State and he was just a blocker. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he goes to Virginia and they throw him for the first time. He wasn't on anybody's radar. And now he's out here tearing up the Shrine game at a great productive season. So in some ways he's still learning what it's like to be a weapon in the passing game. And so I just think he might have, he was my tight end three when I finished that I Dulcich is, you know, and McBride kind of under two different headings. And then Woods was my tight end three. I just, I was a big fan of his game. Did you like him too, JC or? Yeah, I, I do. And, you know, that's one thing you mentioned, you know, when you look at what he's what he can do. Right. He's obviously not the best pass blocker, but he's he's pretty good at run blocking and he's got the ability to line up at X at Y, his size, his speed, his ability, his combine numbers were great. Not that teams put a ton of stock into that. He's a guy who I could see definitely getting overdrafted. Um, hmm. I don't want to say overdrafted, but I could see him going in like the mid to mid third round early third round for a team that just falls in love with this they see i'd be fine with that i think he if he goes anywhere in the third i can live with that like yeah, that's how and, i feel about him you, you know it's it's one of those things where this <laughs> we have no, this draft is so deep in the middle rounds like like mm-hmm. light said the other day that it's a lot of a lot of value a lot of value in those mid rounds Jacked where these guys are going like the first round is is it's still difficult right but these mid rounds are like where the teams have them on their board. And one thing Jason Light just kept saying, you know, the media, oh, well, that's what you heard in the media where this guy's going. You heard in the media with it. So it's like, we have no idea. He pretty much told us, like, you guys have your own stuff. We know what we have. We kind of have an idea what other teams have, but they <laughs> say that love, every year, but I feel like we end up. I love, I love when I love when Jason was like, Yeah, you know, we still have the same philosophy. We want to draft good players. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like you're right they should draft great players they should draft really good players thinking uh, speaking of things that are really good peer reports going to have its live draft stream for all three days of the draft mm-hmm. from the bucks facility and is brought to you by beefo brady's wings and beer beer and wings nobody combines them like beefo brady's start with their award-winning wings traditional or boneless in whatever sauce or dry rub you crave next pick the cold brew that's perfect for you beefs has all your faves on tap it doesn't get any better than that unless you count all the flat screen tvs playing game after game beefo brady's where game time beats beer and wing time all the time Drink responsibly. That's right, Bucks fans. Beefo Brady's proud sponsor of the Peter Report live draft show. Like I said, all three days from the uh, from the facility, uh, we'll all be covering. It's going to be so exciting. But mm-hmm. so you Bucks fans know, there are what forty five locations uh, in 45. the Tampa area of Beefo Brady's. They have a ton of great food, a ton of great. 
uh, different beer selections, as the commercial said itself, too, all TV. So it's an excellent spot to go to for your, uh, you know, if you want to have a little draft party or you're just getting excited about watching the who the Bucks are going to pick, make sure you go to Beefo Brady's. You won't be disappointed. Like I said, great food, great sports. Well, it's good food, good sports. I, I think it's great food and great yeah. sports. Um, a ton of different options for everyone. Uh, variety is key. Bucks are going to have a lot of variety with their, uh, you know, first, second, and third round picks. So make sure you go to Beefo Brady's and enjoy a fantastic meal. Yeah, absolutely. Beef's awesome. Awesome place to be. And I know his fans were fired up last time we were talking about them and having them as a sponsor. So we're very, very pumped about that. The draft show is going to be awesome. Three A's of this stuff. I can't wait. Yeah, every pick we'll be live for. So breaking it all down. Let's keep rolling with this tight end group, uh, guys. We talked about the kind of what, at least for me, are the top three. Dulcich, McBride, Woods. Dulcich probably not a box fit. McBride and Woods and where I see about them. Do you guys disagree with those rankings at all? Even if you don't have maybe your own formal rankings. do Who else would you put maybe in the top three? Even if you like all th- those three of those guys, who else would you put in, in potentially your top three from the tight ends you've seen? You know, I've gone back and forth um, because I spoke about this player recently on one of our podcasts where at first I wasn't as high on him, but now I am a little bit more. And that's Ohio state's Jeremy Ruckert who, um, you know, Long Island played his high school football on the most magical place on earth, Long Island, New York. And, um, my reasons why I wasn't, you know, in love with him really was, I mean, you look at his receiving stats, you know, he barely got, he's around like just over 300 yards. His last year. But with that said, he was on an extremely talented Ohio State team. But, you know, when I when I watched him again and I did some reading up on him, I'm t- I'm starting to sway more towards that. There's just a lot of meat more left on the bone that we haven't necessarily seen from him. I think, you know, if we have McBride as arguably like the most complete tight end, I think mm-hmm. Ruckert is up there as just a guy that you can trust or hopefully trust in as a blocker and still have somewhat of an effect, um, you know, as a receiver. Like I think, especially if he were to get drafted by the bucks that first year, I see him as like a goal line guy, maybe gets a couple of opportunities there and, you know, is maybe in there essentially as a, um, you know, as, as in, in the run game, as just an extra blocker, but can kind of move his way into becoming a more well accomplished receiver. Um, he's not overly, you know, he doesn't have like the, the best speed. He didn't run at the combine because he actually, he injured his, his foot, I believe at the senior bowl. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, he's a, he's an aggressive guy really that, um, he can block. And I still think there's a little bit more to do as a receiver. And again, because of the talent that there was at Ohio state, you come to the Bucks, you're going to be still playing with extremely talented guys with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And if Gronk is there, so I, I'm more optimistic about him than I was just because he showed flashes of like what he can do in both sides of the game as a receiver and a blocker. And he just hasn't totally gotten as many opportunities because of the situation he was in. Yeah. Hard player to scout. Be ne- not yeah. only does he not get many targets, never even runs downfield. Like, I mean, hardly right. ever runs down. I think he had one 20 plus air yard catch in his career at Ohio State, something like that. So I had to kind of like just watch game after game after game. And in that, I saw two plays, okay? So I may be extrapolating scouting here, but I saw two plays where somebody else gets a long catch and run for Ohio State, 
and he is chasing the play from behind, and he's running down these wideouts. I think it was Smith and Jigba, and it was uh, Garrett Wilson who had long plays. Maybe it was Olave, I can't remember. And he's running them down from behind and getting out ahead of these blockers that are chasing them, DBs and things like that. I thought, okay, I think this guy's speed is sneaky. I think everybody thinks he's slow because he never ran downfield in college because they didn't ask him Mm -hmm. to. He's pass protecting half the throws in college. But I think he's – I'm not saying he's blazing fast for a tight end. I just think his speed is fine. I think people would say, oh, he he didn't catch the ball downfield. Like, he must not be a fast tight end. I just – I just begged to differ. I don't think that that was the case when I watched him. There were just a few reps. He he got Jaquan Brisker good on a rep. He was in the slot, went downfield – at the top of his route, little head fake, boom, broke outside, got brisker, cooked him, had a nice catch down the field. That was one of the only reps that I even saw on tape this whole year of him actually working down the field. There was another one he slipped in behind zone coverage. He had one two years ago. It wasn't that far down the field, but he was like eight yards deep in the end zone, and he went up and made a contested back shoulder catch. But it's few and far between. There's hard, There's just not a lot of reps of him as a receiver doing anything other than very simple stuff underneath. To me, JC, those are the hardest kind of players to scout because you are doing that. You're taking two reps where he's chasing a play from behind and you're giving him basically like a speed score if you use a numerical grading scale like me because you had no other opportunity to see his speed because he didn't didn't run at the Combiners Pro Day either because of the injury. So a very difficult player to scout, but I'm riding with him in the third round. (laughs) Yeah, so I I don't have Dulich in my top top three tight end rankings um, just because I think what he does is so limited to so many different teams. It's like, even when the, when the Pats took Gronk, they took Aaron Hernandez later in that draft. I know he, who must not be named later in that draft to be that mm-hmm. move guy. And I think that it's great if you have a tight end that can block where your offense is utilizes strictly a move guy at the tight end. And that's what you're looking for. But I think for me, I'm looking at guys who are more of that traditional inline wide tight end and can do both very well. And that's why I have Trey McBride at number one. And where I differ from you is I have Kate Otten as number two. Um, mm. So Kate wait, Otten, we were talking about Jeremy Ruckert. Do you not in your top three either? And Jeremy Ruckert's my top three. Okay, reason, I'll, get, I'll get back to, yeah, I'll get yeah. back to Kate Otten, but Jeremy Ruckert's three for me because while you see it and while you, you know, he's shown the ability and obviously, as we mentioned, stuck behind some tremendous wide receivers and yeah. didn't get the, the options as much as, you know, I'm sure he'd like, and uh, we'd like to see on tape. I think he's got that ability to turn into, but when I look at Kate and he's proven it, he's been ex- extremely healthy, extremely productive at the position or I'm mean, at the position. I mean, he hasn't like blown anybody away. He's, he's mm-hmm. still a tight end in the college game, but you know, I, I look at his, his ability to be a, a you know, a very good run blocker. He's very nuanced route runner. He knows how to work the middle of the field. He's got soft hands. He's going to catch the ball nice and easy. Um, I, I just, for me, ha- I have Otten because I know what I'm going to get from him. Whereas Ruckert, I think, and I, 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 it's more projecting what I could get. And at this point in the draft, especially from in, in this offense specifically, where they want their tight ends to be you know, very nuanced blockers. That's why I have Otten there ahead of him, but it's very close. Um, I got Trey McBride head and shoulders above the rest. And, and Dulich, I think is a, is a top, is a top tier player. I just, when, hmm. when you're, you, that's all you do when you're, you know, when you're an offensive weapon, can I really put you fully in that tight end category and put you at the top of it? For me, I can't. I see. I saw Kate Otten as, as slow. Like there was just, I didn't have much doubt. Now he doesn't do a lot down the field either, 
and he didn't run the 40 either, so we don't have an actual time. Speed I like that him. he's old school. He's playing with bare hands and uh, yeah, you know, he is no old gloves. school. He, he's tough after yeah. the catch and a few reps that we have of him, but it's a small sample size. You know, I, I think he could be he could be that. He made some good like good third and fourth blocker. down receptions too. I think yeah. I don't know. I, I hold a little bit more value than in that. Yeah. Than some I, maybe others. I just I wasn't that high. Like I thought he was a fine blocker. I thought Rucker I like him, much know, more like... devastating as a blocker. Um, yeah, there's some things both need to clean up, but Ruckert really impressed me as a blocker. He could literally manhandle guys one on one, you know, which I think is at least show his oh, that's his ceiling. Like he can literally be that type of player, very aggressive. And the other thing that's interesting, you know, neither are huge tight ends, but both their frames are a little bit different. And Otten, I think his frame will need maybe a little bit more work and development in the NFL. Ruckert looks like a block of granite. <laughs> like he just has this absolutely ridiculously chiseled frame that's going to put the rest of the group pretty much, uh, other than maybe Jelani Woods, uh, to shame in that regard. So that's impressive part of his. But both of those guys, you're talking about limited opportunities make a difference in the passing game. Otten, you know, if you go back to 2019, he had 32 catches. But over the course of his career, 18 the next year, that was only in four games. And this past year, just played in eight games. Short season. Yeah, 28 catches this past year for 250 yards, one touchdown, and he averaged 8.9 yards per catch. So we just have not seen a lot of the downfield ability of Kate on. It's been very underneath stuff. And it's surprising to me. It seems like his stock has picked up more steam than Ruckert's. And we didn't see him run a 40 or do anything either because of his left ankle injury. So. Yeah, I, I have a lot of questions with him that I don't feel like the draft process answered for me. Right. It's going to be interesting to see where these guys go. I mean, that's – Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I honestly think if I'm guessing right now, I think Dulcich, McBride, Kate Otten, and probably Jelani Woods go somewhere in the first three rounds. After that, I'm not sure what happened. Like Rucker could go in the third round too. Cooler yeah, it, it's it's just funny. We talked about this before, where it's like, okay, well, receiving tight ends or that you know a benefit more as a receiving tight end aren't necessarily on the Bucks' radar. Where a guy that's more polished as a blocker probably would be. I mean, if if you ask like every team in the league, you're going to get multiple different rankings just based on you know yes. what style of offense yes. teams run and everything like that. So. I think that makes it you know, other positions. You can say, okay, this guy is the clear cut number one. This like these are the top three guys, all said and done, no further questions. Tight end position, it's not. It's like completely all over the place. I'm not going to say more than any other position, but certainly up there with all the other prospects in this draft class. Tight end is such a difficult position too. You look around the league, there's only a handful of maybe ten really good tight ends. It, it's very difficult. It's to land a, and develop a really dominant tight end player. I mean, you, you're talking and a complete about, tight end too, yes. not just a receiving, a complete right. tight I mean, end. Kelsey Kittle, Gronk. I mean, uh, Waller, Andrews. Waller, those would be Andrews top five. And after that, it's even if you think Hawkinson or Gasicki or Dalton Schultz Dalton and some of these guys Pitts are getting there. Oh, Pitts will be in there. Yeah, well, like even group, Kyle Pitts, is, I think of just like as a receiving yeah. tight end. I know he can do more, but like yeah, but when not it pops yet. Really, head, yeah, yeah. Draft he, that early. He better yeah. be signing with pass catcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is a little bit of a different story because <laughs> you're right. The other five, you know, Waller, he's not a great blocker, but he's capable. You know, Kelsey does exactly what they need him to do, and that's his Kittle's an elite blocker, Gronk's. Always been a good blocker. Andrews is a solid blocker for what they ask him to do. But yeah, you know, I think you're right. Pitts is the one that might be a little bit different. But if even if you're saying those are the six premier guys in the league, like 
Then you talk about, I mean, Gasecki's literally a wide receiver. It's absurd to call a tight end. He doesn't do anything that a tight end does. And then you, Dalton Schultz, it, there's nothing special about Dalton no, Schultz to no, me. So I could be forgetting someone, but those kind of players to me are just, you know, you can find them every single year and you just need to be very careful with what you value a tight end. Like there's David Njoku's getting good money this year and I get it. They, they, they drafted him and they still think there's a ceiling there and he can block. So at least the baseline's there. If you're chasing the baseline with your pay scale, <laughs> yeah, Austin Hooper's been paid yeah. once, and then yeah, <laughs> and that didn't work out right. Uh, like Darwin had got a, paid had a run for a little Smith. bit. Yeah. I mean, Tony Smith and Hunter Henry just completely fell off, and those are guys that you could have named. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah, it's a really tough position to nail down. I mean, you look at what the Pats did; they drafted two tight ends in the third round. The next year, they're like, oh, screw this," <laughs> and they. Made a huge splash with Hunter Henry and Jonas Smith. They got four tight ends. Two of them are third-round picks. Two of them are big-money guys, and no, none of them did anything last year. Right. So it's it's a tough, tough position to really get a handle on it. Yeah. And, you know, it it's there's it's, more of these guys that don't work out in the NFL than most other positions because in college, the, usually your responsibility, like. Quiver, like what you're responsible for is not nearly as significant as what it will be in the NFL. You have to literally play multiple positions to play. Is this the hardest position to transition to? Would you say it's probably one of them? Yeah, I mean, quarterback certainly, obviously. Yeah, that's a great point, point, John, though, because excluding tight end, I think we hear about this sometimes. And Scott actually asked Jason Light this yesterday when you look at um, like the defensive line in college or the, I think too, what pops out to me is like the offensive line in college, like the, the, the type of offenses that they run and defenses mm-hmm. that they run, you're asking offensive and defensive linemen to do things that essentially they're never going to do in the NFL, just depending on like, okay, this team does a read option. This team does mm-hmm. a defensive style that, you know, isn't really accustomed to what goes on in the NFL. So I'm curious where tight end falls into that again, excluding quarterback, like where tight end falls into in terms of the biggest yeah. transition of what you're asked to do in, co- in college versus what you got to do with the NFL. I, I think the biggest thing is that in college, you're asking these guys, let's say you're asking them to block, for example. I've said the tackle, there's a, there's a jump too when you get to the NFL because almost everybody you line up against can pass rush in, call, in, in the NFL. In yeah. college, hardly anybody you face will in most conferences, not all conferences, but most conferences. Hardly anybody you face will now tight ends put in the same thing in the run game and in the pass game when you're blocking. Like you've got dudes who legitimately aren't going to play like all the time, like especially aren't going to be able to rush. And then in the NFL, you get there and there's like there's like edge rushers coming off the bench that are that could yeah. be double digit sack guys, like in the NFL. Like it's just a totally different story. So you've got that responsibility. Then you also have passing game responsibilities at tight end, where you mostly work against zone coverages, and your route is always also op- often an option route. And so you have lots of mental things that you've got to go through on a regular basis on a play, not to mention check releases based on blitzes and protections and when you're hot and when you're not in a lot of offenses, it's just not that easy of a position to learn to the NFL because there are so many intricacies to it compared to a lot of the other positions. And so it's, it's tricky. It's like big, it's like slot receivers, honestly, like to be, to be able to play in the slot in the NFL in today's day, you pretty much have to be a very cerebral player and tight ends, like that a lot, which is why the interviews for these positions will, will matter a lot too. So you guys mentioned some good names, but one name we haven't mentioned so far is pin chasers. This is the place, was, Matt. 
damn it, John. I was about to be something like, well, the Bucs are going to want to draft a tight end that could really bowl over the, the defender in front of them. Speaking of bowling, <laughs> uh, wow. shout out to Mark Cook. I think he would have enjoyed that. Um, he would have definitely that transition there. that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Pin Chasers, sponsor of Pewter Report. Um, their owner, Anthony Peroni, is a huge Bucs fan. He has season tickets, so I'm sure he's very excited for the draft coming up. But what can I say about Pin Chasers that hasn't already been said? There's extremely awesome deals literally every single night. I've mentioned to you the pizza night, the dollar Miller lights, the all you can bowl. Go to their website, pinchasers.net, and you will find a deal that you will like specific to you. The food there, tremendous, very underrated. They bring it right to you. You don't even have to leave your lane. It's a great night to go out with friends, to bring your family to, a lot of family fun. You could set up a, a birthday party there as well, too. They got an arcade area so the kids can go play that. They want to take a little break from bowling. There's really something to do there for everyone. Pewter Report has hosted a number of events there, including uh, you know things with our clients for networking. There's been charity events there. Uh, just so much stuff going on. Uh, so make sure you go to pinchasers.net to reserve a lane or book a party. And there's multiple locations, as you can see on the screen. So uh, make sure you check it out to uh have a good time with friends and family yeah absolutely. Stop no question these, about it. we gotta stop doing these food things so close to dinner between the <laughs> pizza, my stomach is like Rrr. i'm also i'm also so hungry jonathan asked a good question here and i think the answer is no <laughs> you know are there any tight ends you can see the bucks trading for some of the shaq mason trade for a late round pick first of all they don't have any late round picks they only have seventh rounders and good i point. just we just talked about the the the, like the depth at tight end. Secondly, if it was going to happen during the draft, that's something that Light has never done. He's never made a trade for a player or traded a player in the middle of a draft. So I don't hmm. think that would happen in that scenario. But I just don't see any guys out there that are trade. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. If it's also unlikely just because of salary. Like if you did that, then you would probably not have Gronk back. You know what I mean? Like right. if Gronk said he's retiring. I don't know if I would say a trade, maybe, you know, you could, after the draft, if he said, I'm not coming back, then maybe, yeah, you trade like a seventh or six for a tight end. I mean, th that's not uncommon. Like there's some decent tight ends have gone for day three picks. Vance McDonald went and started for Pittsburgh for a couple of years. He was a, he was a later pick if I recall correctly. So yeah, th th those options are on the table, maybe at that point, but not before Gronk. Like right now, the ideal scenario is Gronk and a rookie and Braid. And if that happens, they're good, but they yeah. wouldn't, trade for one instead of drafting one they would only trade for one after drafting one in my opinion so hopefully that. i think you got to look at the style of the the bucks offense too like sure gronk future hall of famer greatest tight end of all time um outside of gronk though right like the it's bucks different. offense can function with a, like a second tier tight end like right. they're able to function when gronk got hurt last year and the craziest so. thing the crazy thing too is the tight end position was never part of this offense, right? Yeah. <laughs> in, originally, that tight end position was was nothing more than a block. Not since Heath. <laughs> Heath. In <laughs> Pittsburgh, Heath yeah. Miller. Well, I mean, we were the, the slower Trey McBride. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if you look at what the Colts, they didn't really have a, a have a strong tight end. Arizona. Dallas Clark. Have, what are you talking about? Well, he's, I'm thinking old school now. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, going old school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the Cardinals didn't really have a strong tight end in that offense either when, when Arians was there. And, you know, for the first year, they didn't have – they had O.J. Howard who got injured and they had Cam Brate. So it's never been a position he, that – He inherited those guys. 
Yeah, it's never been a position, like a focal point position. He hasn't brought in his own guy yet. Tanner Hudson, Cody McElroy, all been there. So this would be, you know, well, I mean, Aaron still has probably a little bit of a say in, in what's going yeah. on with scouting reports. But yeah. For Tom Enzo, he'll definitely have a say. I mean, he'll, he'll listen. Yeah. Can, you, yeah. can you picture him in the war room being like, all right, guys, I all think right, you got to go tight end this time. <laughs> It's like, where was this the whole time? Like, even the coach <laughs> the last three years. <laughs> All right, baby, we've got Trey McBride and Jeremy Rucker right here. I think we're going to uh, – let me put some short of crown in. Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Trey McBride right here, bro. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Is that how he talks? I was going to say, you said it more like the guy in the water boy that's like oh. the assistant coach. Oh, you just want to see the homeboy's name. That's right. We're just going to have to see. We're going to have to get Scott to do the impressions only. On I tried it. Yeah, whatever. You know. <laughs> I tried to get – when he announces retirement, you know, uh, Frank Caliendo is the best. I try to, I'm like, hey, we need a Frank oh, yeah. Caliendo retirement speech or something like that. He does, he, he's just amazing. Yeah, he does. He does do some good ones <laughs> for sure. Uh, we didn't really talk about Bellinger, Ferguson that much. We'll wrap up with them real quickly. But Ferguson, I definitely think could be a fit. Man, he is absolutely Aggressive. nasty. Like, he just yeah. gets after people. He's crazy. I love that about him. He's such a limited athlete that I think the ceiling is very low, but I just feel like he's almost certainly going to make it as like a tight end two or three and just be, you know, be a, like a fan for, he just mashes people. He's not that yeah, big either. Yeah. He's going to be a guy that won't like, wouldn't have much production on the bucks, but he'd make the team. He'd be like the third string tight end mm -hmm. behind Cam Brate, And yeah, probably be a folk hero. You know, maybe he's got a great yeah. social media presence. Snaps, like that. And, you know, yeah. get touchdown too from Brady and I just didn't yeah. get it with Bellinger. I wish I did. I liked him. At, I liked talking with the combine. I, his athletic testing obviously was impressive. It just didn't seem natural for him on tape. I just saw no instincts, didn't really dot around routes. There's something there, but he's very much a ball of clay. He hardly ever got targeted in San Diego State, mostly a blocker, and I did, did not find him to be as good a blocker as the other guys that are fit in his, his physical profile. Yeah, Ferguson, Ferguson, he's just a guy. He went to Wisconsin, and like he plays like he went to Wisconsin too. Uh, yeah. He's a big 10. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Bellinger, I, I couldn't really, I couldn't find anything to get me really hyped about Bellinger. I know you were high on him originally, uh, or or not high high, but um, I I just don't. You know, I like the later guys. I like the guys like you know like Austin Allen from Nebraska. If I'm you know more of these potential seventh round undrafted free agent guys, uh, you know who another guy, and I'm gonna go deep into the undrafted. Uh, and Josh actually put me onto him, Tegan. Quintoriano from Oregon State. I like him mm -hmm. as well too. I think he could be a, a nice sleeper if, if you know, they're looking at at a, at a not taking one early. But I think they take one early. I think we are all under the impression they take one in in the first three rounds here. Maybe yeah, they, maybe sure. even as the second round. Right. Yeah, Makes he was a guy actually. When I was looking, when I was doing my Bucks battle plan. I was looking, I was like, oh, damn. Like, I forgot to, I think I ended up, like, signing a tight end in free agency, like Mo Alley, mm -hmm. Alley Cox. But I was like, oh, damn. Like, I need to pick a tight end. Like, what What am I doing? So then I was, like, trying to find one that I think, like, would be a, a late round fit. And yeah. the guy you mentioned the was, was, like, what was an option. So yeah. it's funny you brought him up right there because now I'm having flashbacks. Right. Uh, this is good. This was a pretty in-depth discussion on what is not a large group of tight ends, at least, especially as far as it concerns the box. But I think we've given a lot of names for people to think about and kind of our thoughts and opinions on some of those. Josh Q wanted us to mention. What did he want to say? Oh, uh, yeah. Say, I saw his comment before. I meant to. Uh, he, I forget uh, all. But he, he has Kate on tight end one. He has Isaiah Likely in his top. Is he five? He's five. Likely he's number five, five yeah. for him. 
Big believer yeah. in the four eight debt. No, I'm just kidding. I always mess with Josh on the show. He's not here to defend himself. I did offer him. He had to do stuff for his other job for today, but we'll get him on here to give his opinions at some point. But he has watched these guys in depth too, so he had some takes. The other thing is Brady and tight ends. That's an important part of this too. He's always valued the position and the Bucks offense, whether even though tight ends aren't necessarily their main producers in the passing game, a lot of their actions and stuff are run actions. I'm on basketball kick a lot of their plays are run out of basically out of 12 personnel like a lot of their offense starts that way to begin games and they build out from there so it is important to have a a second tight end that can play and even a third tight end that can play so the depth is important more than needing an elite player at the position so maybe that causes them to wait but i do think that i know people don't want to hear but i think this is a position that people need to think about potentially being a first round target or a trade back from their first round pick target uh, type of position for the box. I think it's possible. I, I pulled up his list. He had McBride one, Rucker two, Otten three, oh. Woods four, and likely five. I think we'd be remiss too if we didn't mention the two top visit, top 30 visits that were reported today. Oh, true. With, um, uh, Good Lewis point. from Georgia, the mm-hmm. safety, and John's personal favorite, shooting up his draft boards, Perrion Winfrey, the defensive tackle. <laughs> can't even get <laughs> Uh, someone screenshot that face of John, please. <laughs> yeah, please. Yes. Look, I'm just saying, I he I get the upside part of it, but just don't do it until the end of the third round. That's all. I mean, if you do it then, okay, I get it. I mean, the guy is like 36 inch arms. He's got an 85 inch wingspan. Like he's violent. He's explosive, but he's just amazing. I mean, he is a bull in a china shop. He's crazy, but he there's just no. He's out of his gap all the time. He's too far upfield. He doesn't read anything. He loses the ball. He he just needs a lot of polishing. Um. So we'll see. I. AC Rogers. I, I wasn't. Yeah, I I don't know. Scott doesn't think that they're that interested in him. Casey Rogers is good, and so we're him with Rogers would be good. Scott doesn't think they're that interested. We'll see. I don't know. I thought coming out of the box would be interested. Scott locked me down, and then today there's a top visit, so we'll see. Um, Coach, the other one was seen. Egotistical people in the world. They always think they can change and coach up anyone. So I don't know. You know, if they're bringing them in for a top thirty visit. That to me. At least says they're gonna really take a solid look at them. Yeah. Well, if they the didn't think thing they is could big. coach someone up. They shouldn't be a coach. Well, they <laughs> so. they got to do yeah. it. Um, <laughs> scene is big, uh, as Rob Jackson music says here. Scene, let's go. Yeah, I mean, that's great because this was one of the few players that I believe the Bucks could take in the first round that we didn't have super strong links to. We knew that they were at some of his stuff and talked with him to some degree, but this was you know a good indication that there's real interest yeah. there, and so. That's very much one of the players that I think is in play for um, their Todd first Bowles and right? safeties. Yeah. He's the safety whisperer. And heck, you Jason know, Light and safeties. Like, it yeah. shouldn't surprise us at all. Like, both these dudes yeah. have drafted safeties like crazy. And the thing yeah. about scene, so if you're looking for, like, a guy to replace Jordan Whitehead, it's like you take scene or brisker uh, in, the, yeah. in that first round or maybe trade back a little bit and, and grab them. Or you're waiting until like the fourth, fifth round, probably fifth round, and looking at a guy like Dane Belton or a guy like Marquise Bell, Smoke Monday, because this draft is pretty deep with safeties, but they're mostly free safeties. There's none of these guys that are yeah. really hard physical tacklers, hit you, knock you, you know. Um, I mean, Cross you. and Cook are, but they, they're free safeties, I think. That's where most people have them anyway, but they'll, they'll hit you too. But I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if people move some of those guys. But, yeah, I think Scene is a good pick for them if they take it. So we'll see what happens. Um, that's good stuff. Uh, covered a lot of ground on the show. Uh, the top 30 visits tracker. Might Maybe I still have to put Scene on there. I can't remember what I've done today. But that is up on the side. I think we know now 17 of the 30 top 30 of the top 17, 30 visits. Yep. 
So that's yep. good. Well, we're we're getting there. There's 13 unknowns out there still. Maybe we'll figure them out by the draft. Maybe we won't. But stay tuned. PeterReport.com. Like good content going up every day. Right now. Yeah, lots of articles up there. Uh, check them out, people. Um, lots doing wide uh, receivers. Breathings. Yep. Uh, today I went through the. I ranked the positional uh, needs of the team. Yep. Um, in order, uh, my eyes, and so um, yeah, lots of content to consume and to check out over at PeterReport.com. Make sure you do that. We appreciate everybody jumping in here for the show. Hit the thumbs up button. Make sure you subscribe, Peter Report TV on YouTube. Lots of great stuff. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening to another awesome edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Everyone loves the acclaimed. Out. <laughs> Including Tom Brady. <laughs>